Okay, so before we get underway with our podcast with the very lovely Paula Finlay, uh, I do need to give a shout out. I don't need to, well, I kind of need to, but I also want to give a shout out and a massive thank you to all of those who have signed up. Uh, to be a Wits Up patron. Um, the the ones who signed up to be the Wits Up special edition, super amazing, awesome people, uh, do a shout out on the podcast. So these are the people that I want to thank. Missy Beth, Leslie West, uh, Mel Saltil, Nadine, Joe Coombe, Kate Turney, Chloe Kay, Kat Steen, Rhiannon Hughes, Katie Matthews, Tori Turner, Kim Taylor, Di Hurst, Erin Burns, Amanda Thompson, Kate Somerville, Megan Kay, Chloe Lane, Kirsty Forstyke, Ailey Payne, and Kay Anderson. Massive, massive thank you uh, for your patronage uh, and for just supporting what we are trying to achieve. If you want to get involved and become a Wits Up patron, please jump on to Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com. Uh, backslash wits up. Uh, let's get stuck in to our chat with Paula. Oh, hello. We we are chatting with the very lovely Paula Finlay. W- welcome to the Wits Up podcast. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. I was uh, just going back through uh, the Wits Up website earlier. Uh, and trying to suss out uh, what articles we've done on you, um, you know, that aren't always race-specific. And I think we haven't actually had a proper chat since 2000 and it was 14 or 15, I think. Yeah, I think I was in Australia around that time. So maybe yeah, that sounds about right. then doing new yes. or something. Oh, yes. You had just done – did you finish second, third, second? Yeah, I think I was second behind Ashley feels like a long time ago now but um 2014 I was there so that was the last time I was in Australia and probably the last time we chatted yeah yeah and Ash is still winning that race even though it feels like it was such a long time ago (laughs) I know it's crazy (laughs) um now we were just having a bit of a chat uh prior to hitting record and currently you're sort of in between um homes and races and Christmas and Fill me in. Where are you at at the moment? Yeah, I'm currently in Portland, which is um, where my boyfriend Eric has a house. So we kind of make this our home base and travel all over the place. So I just got back from Daytona Beach doing the Challenge Daytona race and prior to that, um, Indian Wells. So we've been away for about three weeks at races. And tomorrow I head home to Canada, Edmonton, which is like my home home where my family lives for Christmas yeah. break. So a little bit in transit here and full on in off season. Now we got new carpets in our house today. We bought a new TV. We're just like catching up on oh, everything wow. that has uh, been sliding because we've just been training. So it's, uh, you know, catching up on real life stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Getting new carpet. That's extremely grown up. It is, but we, Eric bought this house last year and it needed new carpet desperately. And I was really lobbying for it, but when you get a new house, it's so overwhelming, the amount of stuff you have to buy. So financially, yeah. we were just like prioritizing and carpet, unfortunately, wasn't at the top of the list. But um, since we both made a bit of money at the last couple of races, we decided to go for it and uh, don't regret it. It makes it feel like a new house. So it's pretty cool. I love it. <laughs> Tri- triathlon prize money going towards uh, carpets in professional triathletes' houses. 
uh, <laughs> from here on in. That's what you're saving up for. <laughs> right, like uh, 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who, who out of the two of you, um, and I'm going to take a stab at this because I feel like Eric is the is a creative person just based on his uh, photography and, and videography. Is he a bit of the interior designer or does that come down to you more? Um, in terms of like the house and furniture and making it like a nice space, I'm, I'm the person that's more inclined to do that. Um, Eric's right. very much more artistic in terms of like his videos and his photography, but um, in terms of having an eye, he says it's like a little bit more of a girl thing to be able to like make a room look nice. So that's kind of been my job. And it's a, it's a work in progress. Like I said, when we got this house last year, there was, we had no furniture, neither of us, cause we've never owned a place before. So really started yeah. from scratch and have slowly been kind of adding to it and making it nice. But the, the other thing is we're not here all year. We're only here maybe yeah. four or five months of the year. So we don't want to make it too nice because it's too yeah. hard to leave so yeah, oh absolutely so do you do you get on board the whole like airbnb thing when you're out of town or is it strictly for you guys no actually eric's sister lives with us elise she's ah. she actually just got her pro card so she's done a couple of pro races this year and um she works full-time in oregon so she kind of has the basement it's three-level house she has the downstairs, oh, wow. shares the kitchen, and um, yeah, so she's here while we're away, which is really nice because she can, you know, hold down the fort, make sure it is safe and our bikes are safe, and um, so yeah, it works out really well. She's always here. Yeah, right. Oh, interesting. Living with your boy- boyfriend, right? Yeah, no- yeah, we're not married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, well, I know you're not married, but I was like, wait, have I missed an engagement announcement or anything? Oh, sorry, sorry <laughs> to balk for for a second then, and sorry, uh, Eric, for even mentioning that. I like, there's no pressure from from my end. Uh, <laughs> um, do you do you get asked those questions by? Oh, especially this time of year, do you get asked those questions by family? Um, a little bit. Like we've been together for two years now, and we act married. We. Yeah. You know, it's like we're pretty much married in terms of yeah. um, how we live our life. So it's uh, it would make things easier in terms of citizenship a little bit. Like I could get my green card oh. pretty easily. And that's a little bit of an obstacle that we face every year because I'm Canadian and need to be home for half the year. So um, yeah, that's right. the biggest reason. It wouldn't change much in terms of our relationship. But um, yeah, just kind of waiting. It's not, <laughs> not fully up to me. So um, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect reason to get married, right, for a green card? I guess so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely a perk. <laughs> um, so I always forget, um, I don't forget that you're Canadian, but I forget that it's um, that you do have to consider those kind of things when you're, when you're travelling. I just do, I don't. I do know that there's a difference, but I just always assume when you're in North America that, you know, you can go in and out of and go to different races with no sort of real issues. But I guess that is always something that you need to consider when you are traveling. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it is easier for Canadians than someone that's European or Australian or something. We can stay in the U.S. for six months on a visitor visa. And I know a lot of triathletes get um, athlete visas, like professional athlete visas to allow them to stay yeah. longer. But I've always kind of been able to balance my year so that I spend six months um, at home, either in Kelowna or in Canmore, somewhere when it's in the warmer months in Canada. So I don't know. I've been able to make it work. It's quite expensive to get a 
to get a professional athlete visa and you have to have um, a lawyer help you. So just been a bit intimidated by the whole process and just decided to make it work with with splitting my time because I do love Canada. I like being up there and training up there. And um, it's not like I'm it's not really forced upon me like I do. I do enjoy it up there. So, um, yeah, just something we need to consider every year and work into our plans. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so a- a- as you know, this podcast isn't uh, necessarily about triathlon, but we- we're <laughs> going to touch on it a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's fair to say, like your your career has been extremely interesting to watch. You've, uh, I think it's fair to say that you've probably had the roller coaster career with the biggest ups and downs and curveballs and 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 whatnot do you do you think that's a fair sort of summation I think so in terms of like the trajectory of my career like it started Mm. at a really big high when I was quite young and yeah then faced a bunch of struggles and I've had to kind of um rebuild myself uh so to speak in terms Mm. of like performance and just making this a sustainable career now that I'm 30 so yeah it's been a little bit backwards and um a lot of people are surprised that I'm still even doing it like um people in Edmonton who followed my career when I was going to the Olympics and ranked number one in the world and they hear that I just won a half Ironman and they're like what she's still doing triathlon that's crazy so it's such a long time that I've been in this and without break and although it looks like I took a big break in the middle or didn't race or whatever I've been trying all along to get back to having good performances. So, yeah, yeah very very roller coaster type career, I'd say. <laughs> Do, so, remind me how old you were when you, uh, I guess, burst onto the scene. I think I was twenty years old when I won my first WTS race. That was in yeah. um, two thousand ten. Yeah. So, so, so at twenty years of age, you've. Like I, I almost compare it to you know like a, a a child actor who all of a sudden has uh all this attention on them all this I guess expectation and hopes of your country you know going into the Olympics and everything so there's all this um, and correct me if I'm wrong but all this pressure on on such a a young person uh, who hasn't fully grown into themselves as as a human being yet, um, mm-hmm. and we saw you struggle with you know injuries or whatnot after that. Um, as a thirty year old now, which is still you know you're not over the hill, like still pretty young, mm-hmm. but do you feel like you've you've learnt so much about yourself that and and, and some of those things that you have learned about yourself, you wish you knew when you were 20s to be able to handle that, even like, and I'm talking about the highs as well as the lows. Yeah, I actually gave a keynote talk at my swim, my old swim club in Edmonton a couple of months ago and talking to a room full of 16-year-old kids who are kind of at the beginning of when they're going to start qualifying for Olympic trials and things like that. And part of yeah. my message to them was, what are five things that I wish I had known when I was your age? And that's kind of when I was bursting onto the scenes. And now as a 30 year old, looking back, what would I have done differently? And my main message would think was um, knowing when to step back and take a break. And that was something I wasn't very good at. And when an injury did come on, I would push through it. And to the point where I had, like I was forced to stop (laughs) instead of just kind of backing off when things started to get, bad or felt an injury coming on and so I think it just ultimately prolonged all of the injuries that I 
that I did have, especially around the time of the London Olympics. Um, I was just yeah. scared, too scared to take a break and um, felt like I was invincible a little bit because I had just come off this streak of winning a bunch of races. So um, yeah. that's like the main thing sort of that I've taken into my career now is I, I'm not scared to take a day off running if I need to. And ultimately that'll lead to less missed days of training and less missed races. Um, obviously it's still hard to adjust things. I just want to keep training hard every day, but um, I've rec- I know my body is pretty injury prone and fragile and um, I just kind of adapt my training with that in mind. So that's yeah. the biggest lesson I think. So in, in saying that, um, and I'm not trying to pass the blame or anything, but you know, you're, you're a young athlete, uh, you're going through the, the system in terms of um, your uh, triathlon Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're working closely with coaches, um, I, I assume psychologists, um, you know, there should be a team around you. Yeah. How much, you know, and, and obviously I don't want to get you into any trouble or anything, but how much do you feel like you wished you had a little bit more support or you felt uh, maybe more confident in speaking out and saying things don't feel right or, you know, and I might be completely mis misjudging the situation but um, what what's yeah. your well sorry I, you go no I think it was almost the opposite it was that I had too much support um in terms right. of lots of people wanting to give their two cents because I was such a rising star and a metal hope for Canada so everyone kind of wants right. to be on the bandwagon when things are going really well and take a bit of credit for your success and as soon as things go sideways everyone kind of steps back and doesn't want to take any responsibility for it. So I was 20. I was seeing like maybe three different doctors, two different physios, speaking to several sports psychologists. And I had all of the support support and funding I could ever want because because I was a metal hope. So I was basically like Triathlon Canada's targeted athlete. And all of the funding was like, whatever I need to get a medal, I I could have. So to a point that was too overwhelming. And I don't blame any one of them. I I appreciated all of their expertise, but I think what I should have done was just kept a smaller circle of people that I trusted and like one coach, one doctor, one physical therapist, and um, just use that as my like circle of of trust instead of um, expanding and searching for answers and going to see a bunch of different physical therapists to, to solve this injury problem that I had when ultimately I just needed to take a month off or something so right yeah it's a very different world when you're when you're doing well and have had success and a federation just has so much resources to support you versus when things aren't going well and all of that disappears pretty quickly so um, yeah right yeah, kind of interesting. um yeah right okay that's that's super interesting um so okay so now when things start to go well and you uh you know recently you've won two races in a row in yeah over a week was that right yeah, yeah seven days apart yeah they were back-to-back weekends which is i've never done that before for this distance but uh worked really yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> so do you draw upon i guess uh looking back at those things that you learnt um and really try and uh put things in place um particularly when you are doing well um like you say, learning about yourself and when, when you need to take a rest. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I, um, don't have as big of a network of people that I, that I work with. I have a coach obviously who I trust and have good communication with. And Eric helps me a lot now with a lot of the, you know, social media side of sport and just like complete support. He's my training partner. And then, um, have one physical therapist that I see. So yeah, it's a smaller group of people and I found that works well. And part of that is necessary because I don't have all the funding and support and dollars to, you know, build a huge group of, (laughs) of people around me. But, um, I think it works really well. And I mean, this year hasn't been totally smooth. I have had lots of injuries and not go races, but finishing on a high like this gives me some confidence that I did something right the last three months. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas for sure. <laughs> yeah. My mom said that's her first <laughs> on me having a couple of good races. So <laughs> Aww, <laughs> funny. that's sweet. I mean, she's, um, it's in, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you go. I, I was just going to say, she's like ridden these highs and lows with me even more. They affect her even more than me almost. She's like been there through Aww. it all. So it is nice, like for me to have a good race and her to you know, be a part of that is kind of cool. <laughs> oh, well, now that I've uh, had a child, even though she's only 16 months old and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, not anticipating her racing professional triathlon or anything, <laughs> but I can I can totally appreciate a mother's, um, I don't know, need and want to, you know, be a part of what you're going through and wanting to protect you from, you know, those, the, the times when things aren't going well um, and then almost protect you as well when things are going really well and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, like I can I can really appreciate a mother's connection uh, in that respect for sure. Yeah, for sure. She's um, always supported my decision to continue to compete and do triathlon, but there have been times over the last decade where she's like nudging me to go back to school or go to medicine or, you know, something another career path that's more typical (laughs) than this, especially like ultimately she just wants me to be happy. And there's been a lot of times through my career where I'm really not happy and um, perhaps making a change at those times would have, you know, led to something completely different, but triathlon does ultimately bring me happiness, especially when I have good races like I just did. So (laughs) that she's, yeah, yeah, of course. So, Yeah. So is she, uh, clearly you're both, you're very close. Is she, you know, one of your direct uh, lines, uh, you know, at the end of a race or, you know, she's someone that you confide in uh, quite frequently? Yeah, I definitely, I talk to my mom probably at least every other day and my dad as well, but mostly my mom. Yeah. Um, It's actually kind of funny though, because they don't, watch my races anymore or really follow them because it's too stressful for her so I called her after Daytona and I was like I won the race and she honestly like didn't even know that I was racing at that time <laughs> she knew I was really that day, but she didn't like realize it was such a weird time that started at 4 30 in the evening and uh so obviously she's like very supportive very happy but just doesn't like the stress of the potential of me not doing well and being really sad because she's had so many phone calls after races where I'm just disappointed and upset. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like kind of a weird thing. I'm like, why weren't you following? But um, in the end, because yeah, she's right. super supportive and I, I talk to her all the time. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that will change? Do you think she might get back into watching? Uh, 
yeah, I mean, she comes to races sometimes. She's not like totally opposed to it. It's just the, yeah, the like watching the live tracker when it's not really refreshing very quickly and things like that. Oh. <laughs> it can be nerve wracking for a mom, I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah, she's actually like very involved in triathlon. She's the competition manager for the WTS in Edmonton. So oh. her whole world also is triathlon and organizing this event and the grand finals in Edmonton this year for, for 2020. So she's like, you know, nose deep in triathlon every single day and just um, yeah, right. in, in a different way than I am, but totally understands yeah. the sport. <laughs> wow. So is yeah. she the reason you got into triathlon? No, she, I'm the reason she got into triathlon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I she it. got the connections and um, slowly just started like volunteering to the point where she got this big role with the WTS Edmonton, but um, she's definitely the reason I got into sport and into swimming and into running yeah. and that kind of, um, translated into triathlon eventually, but she was not, she wasn't a triathlete before or anything. Yeah. Right. Oh, but she's a triathlete now. <laughs> uh, she's done some triathlons since I started, but, um, her big sport is rowing. She was a national level rower and still does that all the time, even in the winter in Edmonton. So <laughs> that's her favorite thing. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so when you're rowing in the middle of winter, oh, how, how do you they, Oh, sorry. It's it's all on the erg in the winter. So it's like the trainer. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, like, wow, I've got so many questions. Like when when are the lakes not iced over or, or <laughs> yeah. whatever? And, and what do you wear? <laughs> no, the, the season is um, short for outdoor rowing, but uh, yeah, when, okay. yeah, when it's nice out, so she does. <laughs> um, I want, I, I do, I will talk more about your family, but I wanted to go back on to something that you mentioned, um, and it's essentially around your 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 team. So I guess your your inner circle. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I mean I know you, but I don't know you exceptionally well. Uh, but it appears to me that you are most comfortable when you are surrounded by your loved ones, which, um, I, I, I mean, I feel like you're a little bit more introverted. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've trained with a lot of different squads. I was on Joel Filial's squad for a couple of years and um, worked with Siri Lindley for a little while. And when I was kind of in those environments without really any close friends and no family around, it was really hard for me. Um, my best years, I think, in terms of like happiness were when I was in Boulder, Colorado, and I sort of created a good friend group that felt like family there. So I was super happy there and didn't necessarily translate to the best performances in my life or anything. But in terms of just like enjoying life and training really well, that was a good place for me to be. So um, being with Eric every day and training with him helps me a lot. I think it, you know, is good for my training too, because he's faster than me. And I'm always kind of pushed to stay with him on rides and in the pool and stuff. So um, yeah. that definitely helps. And in terms of the introvert thing, I am not super outgoing, but Eric started this vlog thing with us that's been going on now for a couple months. And I've sort of, he has his camera out all the time and he's talking to it and I'm 
sort of learning to be more outgoing because people like following our journey and our yeah. um, like the real life day to day stuff that that happens. So um, the way that I am on camera is not necessarily how I am in real life, just because it's hard to to be super happy and positive all the time when there's when there's camera. But um, yeah, I'm working on it. I think I can be extroverted when I when I want to be, but in general, more yeah. quiet. <laughs> Yeah, right. And the thing is with in, uh, being an introvert versus an extrovert, uh, like I think it's um, the it's misconceived a, a lot. So an introvert, you tend to gather your energy from, you know, being by yourself and, you know, in a small group. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, it doesn't mean that you can't be out there partying or, you know, hanging out with people and having heaps of fun. You just need that time to sort of step back and um, – you know, just reboot that way. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so the whole vlogging and, like you say, you're trying to learn to be a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. Is is that the, I guess, based on the feedback that you've been getting with the videos but also um, what you're learning about yourself, what are you actually learning about yourself? Like what are the, some of the key things that you've, you've noticed over that time? With the introduction of the vlogging? Um, yeah. I think I don't realize how grumpy I act a lot of the time. <laughs> Honestly, like when we're just training hard and it's kind of cold out, we're on Zwift for three hours and then we're heading to the pool. It's, I can get like, I mean like any triathlete kind of grumpy and Eric when he catches it on camera and I see my face in those moments, I'm like, whoa, take a step back. I need to like enjoy this a little bit more and not just for the camera, but for myself, like it's, it's okay to to have fun a bit. And so I kind of joked about it in the last vlog, like I'm working on looking less pissed off when Eric pulls the camera out. And it honestly has helped <laughs> with my general like outlook on everything when we're at races and um, he's filming us and, we're sort of putting together these vlogs of our pre-race routine and we go to a new place and like find the coffee shop, find the swimming pool, find the best uh, hotel to stay at and like put that into a vlog so that the year after people can look at it and sort of ease their travel if they decide to do that race. So a lot of our like lead into these races have been um, very like camera heavy like lots of focus on that so it's kind of forced me to change around my attitude and be a little bit more positive and happy just um recognizing that that's an important thing not just for myself but also for the blog <laughs> yeah but, and the th- and I'm glad that you said that it's you're not just trying to change yourself because of the vlog you're actually trying to I guess work on yourself and and realize that you do actually love the sport and love what you're doing mm-hmm. um and to I guess uh, not take things quite as seriously all the time. Like things will be okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that that's awesome to hear. <laughs> but I can I can also say you know on the other hand as well, people really enjoy the authenticity that can come out of a vlog mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's okay to be a bit cranky. It's okay to uh, you know not jump out of bed ready to take on the world it might take a coffee before you warm up and uh have that attitude um but i think that's uh one of the key things from doing you know vlogs or however it might look is that 
you can look within yourself and um, recognize those things that you may be completely oblivious to. And that sounds like what's going on with you. Yeah, a little bit. Like I've never had a, I've never watched a video of myself um, training <laughs> before. So it is funny, but honestly, yeah. all the feedback we've had on it and over the last four weeks, it's kind of like his following has doubled and we'd have like 60,000 views on one of his videos. It's pretty crazy. But all the, all yeah. of the feedback has been, that people like how real it is. And from what yeah. I know, we're the only people that are filming our own vlogs and Eric's doing all the editing himself. It's not like we're hiring someone else to come film us and it's very curated yeah. and perfect. It's like yeah. we just take our little camera and sometimes it's not in focus, but if it's a good moment, we'll put it on the vlog anyway. So it's, um, yeah, it feels very real and he's pretty artistic about like the music choices and, he spends hours and hours editing these videos and I can't help much with oh that, my God. but um, yeah. it's, it is really fun, especially when we do get positive feedback like that. It's uh, sometimes hard to get positive feedback from triathletes, but <laughs> everyone seems to love yeah, it. Right. So uh, here, yeah. yeah, we'll keep doing it um, as long as we can. <laughs> yeah. How do you respond to negative feedback uh, if you, ever get any and this is not just about the vlogs but yeah. how do you feel like you respond to it whenever it might uh, arise uh I don't get too much negative I think if if I have a super ridiculous negative comment on Instagram or something I kind of disregard it sometimes would delete it just because mm. there's not really a need for that I guess and it is definitely overridden by the amount of positivity um that's on Good. Instagram and I think it's a very, Instagram's a very like perfect world environment. Like that's what our, that's not what our life looks like all the time. Um, yep. And you know, people assume it is, but uh, that's just kind of like the highlight reel. So the vlog has allowed yeah, us yeah, to course. show some of the not so glamorous parts of, uh, of yep. training. And in general, it's all been good, good feedback. And it is hard to read negative things, but um we're both pretty yeah. good at letting it not affect us too much. Like we'll take constructive feedback for sure, but um, yeah, negative things are, yeah, usually not not helpful. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. <laughs> How did you two actually meet? Um, well, we sort of have known each other for a long time, just based on racing on the IT circuit. He was uh, racing for the US, yeah. me for Canada. So we knew of each other, but we first started talking at the Beijing International Triathlon in 2017. Um, that's kind of like where we first, I don't know, you're in that race together. Like everyone travels together. Everyone has to go on these tours of China together. And you're kind of like, right. feel like a big team, even though you're going to race each other two days later. But uh, so that's where we first kind of met. And then thanks to like Instagram messaging, we <laughs> kept talking. He came up to Canada to visit me over thanksgiving and yeah just kind of happened <laughs> he slid into your dms <laughs> yeah he literally did <laughs> <laughs> um now thanksgiving in canada is a different time of, that's usually around kona time i think from memory yeah it's like october and uh about a month yeah. earlier before american thanksgiving and it's not as big of a deal as it is here like in in the u.s it's oh. It's like Christmas. It feels like it's a full yeah. production, but at least at my house in Canada, we just have like, we have turkey. It's a big uh, dinner, but it's not like a full day event. <laughs> 
Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah, that was going to be my next question. Um, what's the deal with it being so big? But it sounds like Canada is very different to the states because it mm-hmm. just it because we in Australia it's nothing here oh, yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a very foreign uh, concept to myself. Right. So much so that we announced something uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, and Lindsay was like, "Dude, worst weekend of the year." <laughs> Just because everyone's so, no one's focused on anything but Thanksgiving. No, it's, exactly. it's like a big, uh, I mean, Black Friday is a big thing. And we went over to Eric's parents at like noon, ate dinner at two, ate more dinner at six. Like it was just a big day of eating delicious food. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to family, mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Your mum comes from a rowing background, which translates into cycling pretty well. Is she into cycling? Um, she is a good cyclist, but honestly, she's pretty afraid of riding on the road and in, in packs oh. and stuff. And I think I get a little bit of that from her. I'm not super comfortable in cars and not a very good descender, not a very good technical rider. Right. <laughs> I think I get that from her a little right. bit. So she bike commutes all the time and rides the trainer a lot, but she's not like a racing cyclist or anything but uh you're right though cycling does translate pretty well to power on the bike so (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um and then you uh your your dad what's what's his story uh he is a doctor in edmonton and sort of the main Uh reason that i have always had the ambition of being a doctor myself and still kind of do yeah in the back of my mind always um right he's a good athlete. He never really competed super competitively in any sport, but has run like several marathons under three hours. And just, he's kind of like a lean lanky Jeez. guy who's, who's a good athlete and always kind of fit. So he's, um, he's a skier. That's his big, his favorite sport is skiing. He's a fabulous skier. So yeah, they're both, right. they're both athletic and grew up, you know, running and swimming and rowing and everything. But, um, never like pushed me towards being coming an athlete or an Olympic athlete or anything it was always on our own terms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you were young, when you, I guess, figured out that triathlon was the direction you wanted to take, was it, you know, along the lines of when I grew up, I want to be an Olympic gold medalist or, mm-hmm. you know, how, how was that? How did that all pan out? No, I've, I really never, I started swimming when I was 11 Um, before that I was dancing like a million hours a week. So doing like ballet and jazz and tap and the whole thing. So Ah. I never, never really dreamed of going to the Olympics. And even when I was swimming, I never, I was never good enough to make that even a goal really. Like I was okay provincially, but not ranked nationally or anything. So it wasn't until I started racing triathlon at the junior level in 2016 that I, Um, made the national team and went to world championships in 2006 as a junior and did pretty well there. So that's sort of when the Olympic ambition was sparked, but it certainly wasn't like as a child when I was a little girl, like wanting to be an Olympic medalist or anything. So, yeah. So, so what, what did you want to be when you grew up? I I honestly wanted to be a doctor, I think because of my dad and I, um, I don't really remember like when I was a little, little girl, what I wanted to be, but uh, probably something related to dancing since that was what I was so passionate about. 
But in terms of a job, yeah. I've always wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. So have you still got moves? Do you still know how to dance? <laughs> no, it's kind of embarrassing. Like whenever there's the opportunity for that, my mom thinks she wasted all of those years of driving me to <laughs> dancing because I am a terrible dancer. But I can still actually like <laughs> tap dance, which is kind of weird. It's just kind of like ingrained in my brain how to do most of the moves or whatever they're called. <laughs> so I wonder if that movement pattern is just it's just there now, like because that's a very distinct kind of movement, right? Isn't it? it tap is. dancing? Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know, just the way you move your ankles and your feet, and um, that's something that I'll like mm. never really forget. I don't know. I put a pair of tap shoes on, I can do it. But a lot of the other like ballet and jazz just requires so much flexibility that I no longer have. So I don't, I'm not very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tri- triathlon can kind of destroy uh, flexibility. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I can imagine. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine, uh, you know, you're when you're at a party or out of the nightclub or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that you're pulling out any tap dancing moves. No, um, no not really. <laughs> I would, I'd like to see it. Uh, like you could do it in cleats because you'd get the tapping. So maybe, you know, post-boat bike ride, you could show off a few moves. That's true. Bike, um, bike shoes are pretty close to tap shoes. <laughs> um, okay. What kind of doctor is your dad? Uh, he's a brain surgeon, which is not what I wanted to be. Oh, <laughs> Wow. You know, so the first thing that pops into my head is McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy when you say brain surgery. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch that? I I did watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't know the characters very well or any of the, the roles, but uh, what? I impression too. But you, you, you have to know who McDreamy is, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. I know who he is, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, he's only the, the main – well, not anymore, um, although – I don't, you know, no spoiler alerts in case you want to catch up on 15 years of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, um, okay, so brain surgery, so far out. And what, what kind of doctor were you imagining or still potentially want to be? Um, I am more interested in, like, family medicine, although that sounds more boring. I don't really have any interest in being a surgeon, but I think a lot of people that go into medical school don't really know what kind of doctor they want to be until they have a couple of years in med school. Like you go through rotations and yeah. figure out what you're interested in. And it could be something that I totally don't even know about, like um, radiology yeah. or anesthesiology or something that's kind of obscure, but is still a doctor. So um, don't really know, right. but I have never really I mean, I've watched him operate before and it's never like appealed to me really to do that. It just feels like there's so much at stake and it's, um, that stresses me out a lot, but (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) It's like performing at the Olympics or whatnot. You get one chance to do it. Right. Except the consequences (laughs) of failure a little higher. (laughs) A little bit life and death situation. Yeah. Um, do do you remember the, the surgery that you watched? Or have you watched quite a bit? No, it's not It's not very common that I would watch it. I think there was like a take your kid to work day when I was in, <laughs> in high school or something. And um, most of the surgeries are done with a microscope. And then you can see on the big TV screen what's going on. So he's like looking into a microscope and you can kind of see on the screen what he's seeing. So yeah, right. it, is, it is fun to watch just uh, from that perspective, like the tiny little movements that he's making but it's all under a microscope so (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool yeah right 
Yeah, definitely. So anesthesiology has got to be one of the hardest uh, titles. <laughs> like it's a hard word to say. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, some people might not even know what that is. <laughs> they have a super important job there. As far as I know, I have a couple of friends who are residents in that field and you're basically like monitoring them throughout the surgery to make sure that they stay asleep and making sure they have the right like dosage of drugs to so yeah that's what that's all I know about it they're there throughout the whole surgery they're the last person you see before you go to sleep before a surgery and first person you see when you wake up so I think they're a little bit behind the scenes but still like very very critical in in an operation (laughs) yeah Uh, a little bit yeah because you don't want those horror stories of people waking up in surgery (laughs) right that's the stuff of nightmares. Um, okay, so you you said that you know this still could be something that um, you're you're interested in pursuing. Mm-hmm. So wh- where are you at in terms of study? Are you halfway through, or what else do you need to do to actually complete all the study and become a doctor? Um, well, I've re- I've finished my undergraduate degree with um, in biology, so I have all the prerequisites for medicine, which are just you know yeah. there's a list of like organic chemistry and physics and math and all the things you have to just check all those boxes. So I actually finished that degree in 2017. It took me 10 years to get it because I was doing it so slowly and taking Ooh. some semesters off to train for London, and it was a long road, but I got it. So that was a success. Wow. Um, the next step would be writing the MCAT, which is sort of like the admissions, um, test, I guess. And after that, you just apply and do an interview if you get accepted for the interview part and, um, wait and find out. So there's no more schooling I'd have to do directly. I just have to write that exam and then, and then apply. So, wow. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Wow. And it's, um, Honestly, in September when I, I got a stress fracture this September and I was sort of at like my final straw of this is enough of triathlon. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to write the MCAT and I was kind of like got the books, got like the whole thing. So it's always like kind of there, especially when things go sideways in triathlon, it always becomes a thing that I fall back on at least mentally to make me feel better. Like, okay, I have this other thing that I'm super passionate about yeah. and want to do and uh it'll always be there for me even if i'm 30 so <laughs> yeah triathlon always even wins in the 30, end up to now, but uh it's right. yeah something i definitely am still considering doing do, so do you you probably don't but do you know what the future looks like do you have a bit of a plan or while things are going well with triathlon you just you keep ticking along I shouldn't say ticking yeah. along, keep, you know, trying to reach your goals mm-hmm. and yeah, I shouldn't, I, I apologize. I shouldn't say ticking no, along. No, <laughs> I am ticking along. It feels like that, but I, it's really hard because <laughs> I feel like I haven't reached my potential in the 70.3 world yet. Yeah. I switched over fairly yeah. recently, like I've done it for two years now, but haven't had like a really uninterrupted season without injury or anything. So it's been great in terms of yeah. I've had some great races and some success, but it would just kill me to stop now without having felt like I've fulfilled um, like my big goals that I have in this new distance. So yeah. it's kind of like a new sport versus ITU racing and a d- very different lifestyle, different kind of training. And 
less traveling. And so there's a lot of aspects of 70.3 that make it more um, appealing to me as, as I'm 30 now and don't want to necessarily be traveling around the world, racing world cups. But um, yep. yeah, it's, it's really hard to ever think about stopping and that's why I keep going. And yeah. especially this time of year in the fall when we're, trying to like renew sponsor contracts. So I think like, okay, I'm just going to try as hard as I can to like see if I can make money in this next year. And if not, I can fall back on other, other options. But I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's like almost addicting and it's, um, I feel like I'm still good at it, especially if I'm not injured. So, um, we both are still enjoying it for the most part and have big goals. We want to go to Topo next year and do well. So um that's kind yeah. of keeping us in it Keep taking along yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and I, I noticed one of your social media posts was um along the lines of running toe-to-toe with lucy charles mm-hmm. uh so i think i think that's a she's a pretty good yardstick to say that you're you're doing okay yeah that was like probably the coolest <laughs> part of that race was running with lucy and I honestly didn't think yeah. it was going to last long. I thought she was going to take off like at four miles or whatever. So I was like, Talbot, get a picture of this. This is so cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, somehow I like did a stride when Lionel came past us because he came flying past us like at sprinting speed. And yeah. so naturally I kind of like picked up my cadence a little bit. And uh, yeah. that's where I got a small gap on Lucy. And um, this was all like, in the dark under the lights in the Daytona speedway. And I still had like four miles to run or something. So still wasn't confident yeah. at that point that she wasn't going to come back like she did in Kona <laughs> at the end. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was like very shocking to, to win that race against her. And I think she's pretty solidly in her off season now. Like she took a big break after Kona and looks like she got a dog. I'm just like a super fan. So I just follow her Instagram yeah. and know this um, through, <laughs> through social media, but um, I yeah. don't know if I could beat her on a day when she's like fully fit and in shape, but I'll take it for December. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, and that race, talk, just talk us through that race. It looked, it was so different to every other, every other race, uh, on the, I guess the long distance calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the highlights, did you enjoy the different format, the racing at the different time? Uh, just something really unique. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And actually in the morning of that, of our Saturday morning, the day of our race, we all were part of a relay team. So we did the swim yeah. and, each of the pros was like on a relay team. So handed off to an age grouper for the cycling and the running legs. So we actually all got to the yeah. venue pretty early in the morning and I, we all kind of saw it as a warm up swim and a chance to see the water. And, um, we weren't racing till 4 30 PM. So it was kind of nice to yeah. get a little hard effort in before the actual race. Um, and then we waited around all day, which was hard. It reminded me of ITU racing when you race yeah. at 4 PM, but in the end, it was yeah. really cool because we were racing in the dark under the lights and the whole race was contained within the speedway in Daytona. So it's like a two and a half mile loop, I think. And there's a lake in the middle of it. So we swam, did 15 loops of the track on the bike and then two loops on the run. So a super unique format, especially racing yeah, right. with the men because we were, I was riding with Lucy and Lisa Norton and being passed by Lionel and I didn't see Eric because he had a mechanical. So I was a little worried about him, but 
it was really cool and it added a whole other kind of dimension to the race. And I, it wasn't boring at all just because there was yeah. so much going on. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And even just counting um, how many laps you were doing, 15's a lot. Right. I was worried about losing count, but they actually had a really good lap counting um, screen. So ah. every time we rode over this line, oh, cool. our, our name would come up with how many laps we had done. So, they were super organized. It was like a very oh, cool, that's good. very cool event. Um, yeah, something that you obviously don't ever get to do in a normal triathlon, yeah. <laughs> like riding on a velodrome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's very very cool. Um, uh, so okay, so throughout this chat, um, you've mentioned the fact that you're thirty quite a few times, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it 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 leads me to sort of believe that thirty is a big milestone for you like is it something that you've you know you thought you would be somewhere by the time you were 30 or you know like I don't know it just keeps coming up in conversation (laughs) I know it's well I think it's it sounds very much more like I'm an adult than when I was in my 20s and to be honest like (laughs) throughout my triathlon career I've never thought of it as a job I especially when I started and I was in my young 20s and um had sponsors and was making a lot of prize money and I still never considered it like my career. It was like, this is what I'm doing and I'll go to the Olympics and then I'll get a real job. But it's sort of morphed into becoming my career and um, needing to make money because I actually have expenses now and don't live at home anymore. And (laughs) so it just, yeah, I think turning 30 was significant in terms of feeling like an adult and that I have much more responsibilities now and want to have kids someday. And, um, I don't think that I'm too old to be doing this. I don't think that I'm, I still feel very young, but, um, it was just a bit of a milestone in terms of my stage of life, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Interesting. I just, I'm just trying to think about uh, when I turned 30, how I approached it. And I actually don't think it made any difference. I just <laughs> kept thinking like I was constantly the youngest person in the room. Yeah. But I still think that at 38 now, <laughs> which I have to remember that I'm interviewing people who are 15, 20 years younger than me sometimes. <laughs> and I forget that I am meant to be a responsible adult, especially now that I have a child. <laughs> anyway, young at heart. Well, I still feel young as Why well. Not? I feel like I'm 20 sometimes. And uh, it's yep. age is just a number. Except I do feel older in terms of like recovering from workouts and feeling sore in the mornings. And uh, I can't turn around and yeah. run right out of bed, for example, at like 7 a.m. I need to stretch and warm up and make sure that I'm like – fully mobile before I get yeah, right. off. So, yeah, recovery is a bit harder the older you get, I think. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing particularly hard because I have been texting my masseur this morning. Masseur sounds like I've got someone on tap. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen them in ages. And I, I text them this morning saying, I desperately need to see you. I've hurt my neck and back. <laughs> And, you know, the, the conversation was essentially, you know, what stupid thing were you doing in terms of running, riding or swimming? And I was like, no, no, just rolled over in bed and did my neck. So <laughs> that's when you know you're old. Right. That's, it. that's starting to happen to Eric. He's like getting pain yeah. just from, yeah, doesn't even know where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> How old's Eric? Uh, we're the same age. We're like a month apart. So he just turned 30 okay. as well. <laughs> yeah Yeah. right okay yeah so 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 old oh Oh, my goodness (laughs) 
Uh, man. Um, now, uh, back to family. Are you're, have you just got the one sister? Uh, no, I have a sister and a brother. They're both younger than me. I'm the oldest. And they're both like, oh. my brother still lives at home with my parents. My sister lives in Banff, Alberta, which is the coolest place ever. Um, so we all are very different yep. lives right now, but still very close and text every day and um, have a pretty good relationship. Really? Especially now that we're older, we get along better, I think, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, I d- yeah, I definitely think there's a gap with siblings that there's, you know, a period in our lives where we don't mesh so well uh, and then we all kind of grow up a little bit and even though we might live very different lives, mm-hmm. you connect, you like you reconnect. So you really felt like that's kind of happened with you guys? Yeah, I think when we were all living under the same roof and bickering and fighting yeah. over dumb things because we were little teenagers or whatever, I think that you definitely get over that phase when you're, not living together anymore and although we all have different interests we're still very close and um all those silly yeah. little things that we used to fight about are insignificant now so we did get along when we lived together yeah. too but it's just very different when you see them every day versus um kind of appreciating that they're this like lifelong friend that you're gonna always be super close with and they're not going anywhere no matter how Aww. far away they are so we've all learned to appreciate that i guess my brother is still yeah lifelong yeah I guess so. my brother is still living with my parents yeah. so whenever I visit home obviously I see him and don't see my sister quite as often but she's always keen to like visit Portland and San Diego and all these places that I train so she comes to visit right what does what does she do uh she's a massage therapist actually which is handy for me ah, when I see okay him. yeah <laughs> and your brother still living at home is does he study or no he is actually he works at the university he's um I don't know exactly his role but he works from like 6 a.m to 2 every day like very very early hours and does like groundkeeping and shoveling snow removal all the stuff that um to make the place look nice and he also works at the arena for the Edmonton Oilers and He's like the ice crew, so he gets to go to like all the Oilers games and be on the ice and watch the game from like yeah, right, right up close. So huge hockey fan. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it uh? Do you, what do you call those? A zamboni? Is that the name of the that machine? That's the name. Yeah. He doesn't drive the zamboni, but yes. sort of on on the oh. timeouts or whatever in a hockey game. I don't know if Australians watch hockey, but um, he comes on the ice with like a shovel, basically to like shovel around the net and just smooth the ice out before the next round of game i guess <laughs> yeah 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 it's um it's certainly not massive here uh in australia but australians love sport so there's always uh f- f- people following for sure like i get into the baseball and basketball uh, um I've seen a hockey game when I was in New York, mm. but I couldn't tell you. Well, I know the Rangers were playing. Couldn't tell you who they were playing <laughs> or what the rules were. Uh, we were sitting next to lovely people who helped explain stuff, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were those annoying tourists <laughs> uh, yeah, asking the locals all about it. It's pretty easy to understand versus, like, football or baseball or something with more complex rules, I feel like. It's pretty yeah watch i like watching it i'm a, i'm an oilers fan being from edmonton so <laughs> yeah right it is a very fun sport to watch and because i mean 
well, I was going to say because it's so condensed in terms of space, but so is obviously basketball and baseball to a degree. Mm. But um, compared to Australian rules football, trying to explain those rules, like, do you know anything about AFL? No, I don't. No, because the rules are ridiculous. Yeah, like we grew up with them because so obviously it's all uh, very normal and standard, yeah. but trying to explain a game of AFL to uh, outsiders is extremely it's tough. Really oh, that's funny. No, no hockey is <laughs> just like try to get it in the other net. That's that's the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like heap and shoulder, old mate, and get them out of the way pretty yeah, much. Can, I think there's there's a lot of physical contact in hockey too, which seems to be allowed. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, so that was going to ask, but how, how do they get away with actually thumping each other and and – I, I don't understand that side of things. Like they seem to just be able to do it and then get a slap on the wrists and two minutes in the sin bin and then it's all right. And then they're back out. out you come I again. think it's, I mean, there, there yeah. is some aggression just from the nature of the sport and being very competitive and being in a environment like that for these, you know, male hockey players. But um, it seems to be also like the spectators like it and, I don't know if that's – I think they're getting yeah. better now at controlling the outbreaks and the fights that happen on the ice. But historically, it's been kind of like yeah. a show. You know, there was like a big guy on the team that was kind yeah. of a fighter and would be aggressive. And, yeah, but in the end, yeah. after all these fights, I think both people get a penalty. So it becomes like four on four instead of five on five. And there's no like real downside yeah, to the right. team. They're both punished. But, yeah, kind of a funny part of the sport, I guess. <laughs> Do, do women play ice hockey? Yeah, they do actually. Um, especially like at the Olympic level, there's a national team in Canada for women's hockey. It's not the same kind of in the public eye like the NHL with with men's hockey, but there certainly are yep. lots of women hockey players. And at the varsity level, like at universities and things like that, there's there's women hockey teams. So I was never had any interest in start doing hockey. My brother played hockey. I think most like boys in Canada play hockey at some point in their lives, but not as popular for yeah, women. Right. Yeah. Is it – so is hockey, I guess, considered the national pastime or <laughs> in Canada? Is that, like, is that what is, – is that a fair call or uh, – I don't know if it's, if it's a national pastime. None of my family really was into playing it. We all like watching it. I would say it's a very popular thing to watch, like almost everyone in Canada – is a fan yeah. to some degree of a, a hockey team. Um, and obviously it's cold most of the year, so it's pretty accessible to find an ice rink and and play hockey. There's like intramural yeah. teams and things like that. So possibly, I guess that could be <laughs> one of our national <laughs> times. <laughs> I was just curious because um, in Australia, the AFL um, launched the women's AFL um, a couple of years ago now, and it's just been interesting watching um, the the National League for Women sort of expand. And the so obviously women have been playing AFL. Uh, sorry, Australian rules football for for quite a few years, but it only gets to a certain level. Like it's not at the the top echelon of the sport mm. uh, until they announced the the women's afl a couple of years ago and it's just it's super interesting watching the uptake of it how many more women are getting involved in the sport um the the media influence um so yeah i was just curious because i guess like you said hockey tends to be an aggressive kind of sport mm -hmm. 
you know, so society sort of suggests that that's a men's domain. Um, right. I'm not saying that's right, but that's kind of what ends up happening. So I was just, yeah, I was just a bit curious about that side of things. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's very different than sports like triathlon or track and field or tennis where it's very equal mm. on the men and women's side. Um, it's like football, you know, it's very dominant by mm. on the on the men's side and that's what all everyone watches on tv so <laughs> i guess that's kind of the stereotype that hockey yeah. has and not that women can't get involved in it but it's definitely not not as yeah. common i think soccer is more um the direction the women go especially in canada we have a really good women's soccer team yeah, right. so that's ah, more popular. you call it soccer we call it soccer yeah you call it football right yeah. no, no no we call it so- we call it soccer oh you do um okay. Yeah, but the U- uh, well, the UK, well, UK, Europe, they call it football. Um, yes. But, yeah, we, we call it – but, yeah, I guess because we've got our own form of football, and as do you guys. Um, um, yeah. So, hey, this might sound like a really stupid question asking a professional triathlete this particular question, but are you a very competitive person? Uh Yes, I would say definitely I am. <laughs> right. So off in in all aspects of life, not just not just yeah. in uh, racing, but yeah, in other in in all areas of of everything, which is like hard to live with. I mean, when I grew up, I was <laughs> I <laughs> I was probably hard to live with as a kid, but it's in my genes a little bit. Both my parents are competitive, and my my siblings are less competitive, and I think that's why they never really stuck with competitive sport um yeah but yeah i am <laughs> which makes, um, okay. i think it's important as a triathlete obviously but yep but you don't necessarily so some people are very competitive um here in australia we call it like that white line fever so once you cross that you know the white line which is the boundary or, or whatever it is it's mm-hmm. game on super competitive but then they can switch it off um it sounds like you're you're the nightmare sister or friend who when we get a board game out or a deck of cards people don't want to to play you (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean i can moderate it and i am not that brutal i think the the trait that is more defined in myself is that i like things to go my way all the time (laughs) so not necessarily competitiveness but I have this like way that I want something to happen and it's going to happen that way. That's kind of my attitude, which is, which is hard to live with also. But in terms of like the competitiveness, I can dial that back. Um, yeah. In family games and things like that. What, what, what makes you say that that is your, I guess one of your major defining traits. Did someone have to point that out to you or did you figure that out all by yourself? Uh, Eric sort of brought it to my attention. <laughs> more than anyone else has because I'll always ask him what what he wants to do or what what should we do in the morning what training sessions should we start with but in the back of my mind I know what I want to do already so he'll give his opinion if it lines up with what I want to do I'll be like great that's awesome and if it doesn't I'll very quickly voice my opinion on how it should be so <laughs> he gets really annoyed at that he's like why do you even ask me if we're just going to do it your way but um I like to know what he wants to do to see if it, if it lines up with what I want to do. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But yeah, it's, definitely- it's a token gesture is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so growing up, uh, being the eldest, do you think that kind of trait was ingrained in you because you were the eldest and things were always your way until these other brats came and ruined the party? Is that, you know, <laughs> the psychology of it all? <laughs> yeah, I think like being the oldest sibling, you have, have a bit of a sense of entitlement. Like I should get <laughs> the nicest things, the newest things, the best things, whatever. It should, it should go my way because I'm the oldest, which is completely like not a rational way of thinking, but um, I don't think I'm the only person that, that feels that way who's the oldest. Um, I don't think so know. at all. <laughs> but I think you're right. It is kind of like um, probably ingrained in me from being the oldest um, out of a group of three kids. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so, so I'm a group of three. Um, and I think when we were younger, it started off with my elder, oldest brother, feeling the same way but however it worked that the youngest one because i'm in the middle Mm -hmm. everything got flipped around and it was always his way and my brother had my older brother had to take a back seat so interesting (laughs) but i like i'm sure that my older brother still sort of thinks that things should have been his way but he just didn't have a choice in the end (laughs) right it it depends on the personalities like who's the most dominant and outgoing and insistent <laughs> yep yep um so l- last just last little thing about si- siblings and whatnot um and then mm-hmm. i'll let you go uh because this has been going for over an hour and i'm the worst at keeping time um <laughs> well, i just like having a chat and it is like just chatting yeah, with a mate so that's that's what happens no it's yeah. so enjoyable time's flying i had no idea we were talking for an hour so that's funny <laughs> oh, well there you go um <laughs> I've actually forgotten the question I was going to ask now. I got nothing. It's completely <laughs> gone. Right, that's what okay. happens. This is, I'm just going to warn you. You did say that one day eventually you want to have kids and this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Your brain starts to become fried and it's like really heavily fried when you're pregnant and when the kid first arrives and yeah. now it's kind of, more muted rather than fried okay i just can't <laughs> see you know um so yeah. uh, okay so f- from a f- um a family of three children how many kids do you want eventually do you reckon um probably two i think that's a good number um yeah. i it's uh, another reason that why it was so crazy to turn 30 is because i suddenly had this switch where i just want a baby so badly and every time i see a baby I'm reminded that I want a baby because they're so cute. <laughs> so cute. Oh, so I wow. Never, I, like, never really had that um, feeling before. And maybe part of it is just, like, having Eric in my life and having it actually be a yeah. realistic possibility. But, um, yeah, two would be the perfect number, I think. I think that's what Eric says, too. He wants to get a dog yeah. first, and I'm fully on board with that. I think that's a good first step to parenthood. But... Yeah. Uh, obviously our lifestyle is a little bit all over the place in terms of traveling. So it gets a bit tricky, but um, yeah. maybe now that we got new carpets, we're going to stay here longer and we can get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This conversation has gone full circle because we're we'll back to talking back, about the carpet. <laughs> back to the carpets. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but before you go, I need to, I need to know what kind <laughs> of dog will you get? Uh, well, my parents have Airedale Terriers, and so I'm very biased towards loving Airedales. I think I might consider getting a Welsh Terrier, which is like kind of a mini version of an Airedale. It has the same 
pattern and the same colors, but they're just smaller. So um, I love them. They're kind of like wiry haired and not the cutest dog ever, but they're an acquired taste and they don't shed. um, And Ah. it'd be fairly easy to travel with the the little Welsh terriers. So some kind of a terrier or, you know, something that's not shedding, but not a tiny little dog. Yeah, I I think one of my friends is I think it, it's a Welsh terrier whose name is Frankie, which is oh that's my kid's name. name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's ah. pretty cool. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Like when you're talking about looking at you know cute kids, you you've obviously seen photos of Frankie, right? Yes, I have, and she's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, seeing pictures of Frankie's meeting Izzy, Rennie's Rennie's daughter. Um, a couple, one of our yeah. friends, Curtis Keltner and his girlfriend just had a baby named Walter. So it's like, it feels like a lot of people are having these adorable babies and <laughs> I want one but, too, and, but I totally recognize how much work it is and how much it changes your life. So that, they yeah, are a bit of a game changer. They are a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, you don't need to stop your life completely, but it, there's certain things that you need to consider. Uh, once having a child that you learn on the spot, but it's okay. For sure, yeah. And you can still raise yep. with a baby. I mean, there's you have to have support and help, but lots of people are doing it, right? <laughs> well, and doing it exceptionally well, and you nailed it, mm-hmm. um, that it comes down to, to help, and it is, and I hate a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It absolutely takes a village. Right, Yeah. That's yeah, what I've that's what I've sure. seen. Like I met Meredith Kessler's little baby this weekend, and her husband was there looking after of Matt course. while she was racing. So it would be hard for Eric and I both to be competing in racing um, at the same time. Yeah, if we have a baby, but we'll see. There's yeah, yeah. We live close. You've to got plenty family. of time. Got plenty of time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm going to have to love you and leave you because speaking of uh, precious little bundles, my little rat bag has got this new trick where she wakes up and then starts playing in the curtains um, and pulling them down. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get going in a second uh, because she's waking up from her nap. Um, Obviously, we could have kept chatting, um, but it was so, so great to catch up with you finally it's been a while since we chatted like I said at the start um mm-hmm. but thank you for making the time and um g- good luck with everything it's really really awesome to see uh someone who has had a massive roller coaster of a triathlon career stick at it um uh, because I imagine many many times it would have um I guess the easier option would have been to just stop but you have stuck it out and that is very very impressive well thank you it you're right there's been a lot of ups and downs but whenever I have a high like the last couple of weekends it it kind of makes you forget about the hard times a little bit which is dangerous because I might end up doing this for another two decades but um yeah no, I, I really do love the sport and I'm a I'm a big fan of the sport I'm not only a an athlete but I follow it very closely and I really respect all the people I race against and so it was awesome to talk to you again I um yeah I really enjoyed it that was fun to catch up no oh, well thank you and we won't make it so long next time <laughs> no it's okay that went by super fast I'll let you go rescue Frankie though <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
So before you hit stop on this episode or hit next to listen to another episode or just shut down uh, your podcasting platform to go and check your Instagram, uh, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Wits Up podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the chats with these incredible women. Uh, leave a comment. Let us know how we're going. Uh, let us know if there's anything else in particular uh, that you would like to hear about these women or even uh, any particular uh, triathlete you would like me to chat to. This is definitely one of the favorite parts of my job. As you know, if you listen to this podcast or have ever listened to me in any part of your life, I do love me a chat. Uh, So once again, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel uh, and we will see you again. Oh, I wonder if I'll get another one out before Christmas. Would you like a Christmas present? Would you like me to have a chat with someone before Christmas? Let's see what we can do. 